Hello everyone, good morning or afternoon or evening or whatever time you are watching this. Uh, my name is Father Mark and uh, as you know, it's been really weird and difficult for the last like half year. Uh, but one thing that we do, do know for certain, one thing we know that is constant is God's love for us and that Jesus always calls us to himself. So we thought here at Christ Redeemer that this is actually a great time to go back to the basics with all the weirdness and craziness going on, go back to the basics to our original call as disciples, our original call to Jesus Christ himself. So we are going to firstly tackle a book called 30 Days to Understanding the Bible. Now this is the, the book that we'll be referencing. This is the book that hopefully you have because there are exercises in this book that are very beneficial. And then, of course, you will also need the Bible. So I hope you have one of those at home as well. Um, I've never really done this before, so you're going to have to deal with all my awkwardness and weirdness. And I hope you enjoy it because I'm slowly enjoying it as well. Now, the goal of this, the goal of the Back to the Basics, if I could say in one word, it's driving. Driving is the goal. Faith is a gift and it's a muscle and it's meant to be used. So brief story, when I was almost 16, my dad bought me a truck. It was a 1988 Ford F-150 and she was beautiful. Now, as great as she looks in the driveway, she looks even better on the road and on the highway. She was meant for the road and the highway. She was meant to be driven. My dad gave me a gift and that gift is meant to be used. So faith, in a similar way, is a gift from our Heavenly Father, and it's meant to be used. Now, most cars come with a owner's manual. Kind of a, kind of a dense book. It's got a wealth of information about how the car works, how to keep the car healthy, how to keep it running in the best condition you can. So the Bible, God's written word might be something like an owner's manual. That sounds a little boring. So a lot of people like to use the phrase, it's God's love letter to us. And I like that as well. The whole Bible, all of this from start to finish, is about God and his people. And really, it's about God's marriage story with his people. Now, did you know that it begins with a marriage in the garden? And it ends with a marriage in a garden. And there's a whole lot of cool stuff that happens in between. So I know that looking at this, it may seem dense or daunting or confusing. So that's why it's important to know the structure of the Bible. Just like a car, a car manual, there is a structure and an order and sections to the Bible. So knowing the key will allow you to drive the car. That making sense? So, again, that's the goal of the store, that you drive the car of faith, that you will use the gift of faith that God has given you, that you, you will enjoy and love and understand what the Bible is, that you may be great disciples of Jesus Christ. That's our goal. So you ready for the key? You ready to get driving? Let's do it. The structure of the Bible. There are two main sections. I already lost my pen. 
There it is. Two main sections of the Bible. And we refer these to the Old Testament and the New Testament. I'm going to throw you for a loop real fast. Testament, another word for that is covenants. And that is a really important word because a covenant is an exchange of persons. So think about a marriage. It's an exchange of persons, a husband and wife giving each other to themselves. Think of an adoption. That is a giving of people together. So in our Christian theology, in our Christian worldview, covenantal language is important because God gives himself to us and we give ourselves to God. Those imageries both fit, that God enters a marital relationship with us and that he adopts us as his own children. That's that covenantal language. So two main sections, the Old Covenant and the New Covenants. Any guesses on which one is longer? If you said Old Testament, you are correct. 77% of the Bible is the Old Covenant. That means... 23%, roughly one-fourth of the Bible, is the New Testament. Now, in the Old Testament, there are th also three main sections. The historical books, poetry books, and prophetical or prophet books. Here's a nice little sandwich for you. You probably can't read this, but there are 17 historical books, 5 poetry books, and 17 prophetical books. All together, that's 39. Okay? So if you want to read about the history of God's people, the Jewish people, you would read a historical book. If you want to read the poetry of God's people in the, in the Old Testament, you'd read some of the poetry books. And of course, if you want to read about a prophet, a particular person at a particular po a time with a particular message from God, you read the prophetic, prophetical books. This is uh, covering a, a time span of at least 2,000 years. As I mentioned, there are 39 books written by 28 different authors. So a lot's going on in the Old Testament. The New Testament is about the birth, the life, the ministry, the death and resurrection of Jesus, and the early days of the church. Jesus came to bring about the new covenants and the new covenantal people of God. These likewise have three sections. And again, we'll say historical. Those are the four Gospels and the book of Acts. Then we have letters written by Paul. And those are 13 books. And then we have what we call Catholic letters, meaning they're letters written to the entire church. And how many are in there? Nine, I think? Yes. So all total, 
27 New Testament books. For the math woods out there, that means the Bible contains 66 books. Bible means library. Think biblioteca, if you know Spanish. Uh, it just means it's a library. It's a library of books. Hopefully you can see that there is a structure and an order uh, to the Bible. And with that knowledge, you'll be able to drive the car a little more effectively and efficiently. Structure of the Bible. Are we all good with that? We ready to dive in? Okay. So we're going to start at the beginning in the Old Testament in the first historical book. And we're going to call this the creation era. That's going to be Genesis chapters 1 through 11. First book of the Bible. The main storyline of creation era is that Adam is created by God, but he sins and destroys God's original plan. I'll say that again. The storyline is that Adam is created by God, but he sins and destroys God's original plan. There's four major events in creation. Firstly is creation itself. Then there's the fall. Then the flood. Noah's Ark, we probably know this story. And finally, Tower of Babel. First book of the Bible, first chapter of the Bible, begins with creation. Here's your fancy word for the day. Creation ex nihilo. Creation ex nihilo. It means creation out of nothing. Our faith, our belief, our worldview says that in the beginning there was God. And he created everything out of nothing. Okay. Here is a cool little image that I found one time that kind of talks about the six days of creation and the seventh being the rest. You might see this as the days, one, two, three, four, five, six. And in the first three days is sort of the abode, the, the home. And then the, the, the corresponding days are about when creation masters those abodes. So for example, on the first day, night and day is created. On the fourth day, moon and stars and sun rule the night and the day, right? So you can see day one, night and day. Day two is heaven and, and the waters below. Day three, earth and sea. Then we begin into who's populating these, these homes. Day four, moon, stars, and sun. Day five, birds and water creatures. Day six, animals, and then the pinnacle of creation, man. And on the seventh, God rested and gave us the Sabbath rest, and that is actually our hope for everlasting life, is a rest from our labors. We'll get to that later on. As I said, man is the pinnacle of creation. Man is made in the image of God, not maybe a physical likeness but in a spiritual likeness we have intellect and will 
and uh, reason. That what makes us uh, made in the image of God. So, the last part of creation, God makes man, calls him Adam, the name meaning man. And Adam is actually the first scientist and the first priest. In the beginning, science and faith were very much connected in a major way. There's a story in Genesis where uh, Adam sees all the animals. He kind of brings them forth and he names them. He catalogs them as, as the Greek word. And so in, in, in essence, he's the first scientist. Furthermore, Adam was told by God to guard and protect the garden. And that is priestly language. So Adam was the first priest of creation, and as his job, he was to lead all of creation into the right praise of God. But he failed. We know the story of Adam and Eve and the fruit of the garden, uh, of the tree of good and evil, um, we know of, the, of the serpents. Suffice it to say that Adam failed to guard and protect creation. Therefore, all of creation fell. Adam disobe disobeyed. They were driven from the garden. And scripture says all of the creation is now under a curse. So after the fall, kind of pretty quickly, in the first few generations, uh, evil begins to just swell and multiply and build. So much so that God decides to basically have a do-over or do a, a, a surgery, if you will. So God decides to flood the earth, save for one family. Noah, his wife, their three boys, the three men, and their wives. So God decides to save a family. What, is he, what he's doing here is he is punishing evil and wickedness, and he's preserving righteousness. Noah was a righteous man. And through him, uh, humanity is, is sort of given a do-over. After the flood, first thing Noah does is build an altar and uh, sacrifices and, and, and worships God. But then, of course, because we are fallen, the next few generations, that evil and that disobedience begin again and again. So they actually decide that they want to be like God, just like at the beginning, and they decide to build a tower that we call the Tower of Babel. And maybe they were getting somewhat successful because God decided to intervene. He came in and he confused their languages. They actually had to be dispersed because this was the development of nations and different languages. And that was, again, the result of man's pride to become like God. So that's the creation narrative again to recap it is about that God creates Adam and he sins and destroys God's original plan thank you for listening to our uh, first installment of our back to the basics uh, I hope you enjoy this I hope it wasn't too awkward uh, but it'll probably be uh, even more awkward as, as we go down the road uh, let's pray Lord Jesus Christ, you stretch your arms of love on the hard wood of the cross, that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us 
with your Holy Spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you. In honor of your name, amen. Thank you and God bless.